I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. How you doing? You getting settled in there? Yes. Yes, I am. I'll tell you something crazy that happened yesterday. You? Crazy? I know. No. Well, it's another GZ thing, the ground zero. Calling me ground zero, <laughs> not actual ground zero. Can you see these? Uh-huh. I'm showing Doug. Oh, wow. Those are black yeah. widow bites on each of my thumbs. I was going to say, they look, almost look like snake bites. Yeah. Fucking black widow bites, one on each of my thumbs. What? That apparently, what? I think I got gardening. I decided to plant gardenia plants in the, which by the way, first of all, the soil is really hard and I have like Mm. a shovel and a couple gardening tools, but it was so hard to fucking, to dig a hole that I literally think that the plant is sticking up like three inches out of the soil (laughs) when it's supposed to be really far in. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I've done two of them. And the third one, I'm like, I can't. So I don't know. I came, I was, came back in, I was sitting inside and I looked down and I was like, those are weird. That's so weird. Or no, actually it was a few hours later. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, why is there one on each thumb? I was like, that is so weird. And so I started Googling it and I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was the exact replica of the picture. And then I went over to my wow. friend's house. It's a doctor. And he did, was did like, did you actually yeah. see the spider or you just, did you see the spider? Or just, did you no. feel it at all? No. You just saw the, the dots on I your I just thumbs. saw the dots. Like, and then I just, I literally Googled wow. two red dots on my thumb. That is act, literally what I Googled. And then wow. somehow found that and they were like, could be spider bite. So I looked it up and then, and then I went over to my friend's house. That's a doctor. And he was like, yep. And I started feeling, I started feeling wow. sick. Nauseous. Yeah. I started feeling nauseous. And that's why I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? So weird. I'm like, who does that happen to? One on each thumb, by the way. Wow. Just very random. Oh, I wonder if they crawled in my gloves. No. Maybe they were already in your gloves and you put your hands in them. That's what I mean, because I left through them on the ground after. That was, that's almost one of my childhood fears of like checking my shoes before I put my feet in them because they're really spiders or cockroaches in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a kid. Oh, yeah. Horrified to stick my feet in my shoes. And now? Now I don't care. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Of course not. But now, I mean, who knows? Now that you've you've rekindled that that fear, yeah, it, it could come back. So what did you? Okay, so you go to your friends. That's a doctor. He he recognizes it. Yeah, you feel a little sick. I mean, did you go to the ER and get like a shot of what is anti venom or? No, he said I took a like a Zofran, a nausea pill, and then a Ativan, a like a benzo. He said that helps with muscle like stiffness and nausea, right. and then if. Right. If it started to get worse, he said, usually in one to three hours, it'll pass. Or if it starts to get worse, then go to the ER. But it didn't. Wow. I know. It's crazy, right? Gnarly. I know. That's gnarly. I know. And so weird. Just random. Like, what the fuck? Who does that happen to? You. I know. I know. (laughs) So that's my excitement. That that is exciting. Yeah. I mean, not in a good way, but it's... It's new and different. Yeah, it's new and different. Yeah, I'm feeling like a, a, a lull in excitement, which is almost a good thing. You are? Is that what you said? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Not quite hitting a plateau, but just like that. Cruising. Maybe it's, it's yeah. Cruising. We got our groove going. Like things right. are cool. I don't know. Maybe it's a function of we're not completely locked down. We're not completely out. Ugh. We're sort of business as usual has been for the last stretch of time. Yeah. But it's yeah. be nice to like go to shows, go to dinner, see friends. But I feel like we're still not quite there, but I'm not entirely locked down. It's and it's a weird, it's a weird limbo place, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like everyone's kind of like, well, I think it's like getting fine. It's time to reopen or the world or whatever. And I'm just like, I think we started thinking that before Omicron came. Every, <laughs> everybody I know, right. I mean, not everybody, but almost everybody I know has had it. Every day someone new is like, oh, I have it. Yeah. This is like time capsule podcasting right here. Because if, if we're well out of this by now, then people are going to be like, <laughs> lame, fast forward, fast forward, which they probably do already. But I think <laughs> that that early days of if you got COVID, you weren't sure if you're going to wind up in the hospital or not, whether you were young or old yeah. or immunocompromised yeah, yeah. or not. We just didn't know. Now with enough people being vaccinated or boosted, it's you get knocked down and you get sick and you generally recover from it. Some people right. have long COVID. Some some people I know have like a cough that has been with them for like four or five months. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, actually. I didn't know that that was a thing, but. Well, and semi-spoiler, but not really. When we get to talking to Drew, he had some some COVID-related symptoms, but that's that's over on the Patreon if you're listening to that. You'll hear us chat about that a little bit when we break it down. That was gnarly, though, I think. That kind of freaked me out a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. No bueno right? at all. Well, and even in this episode, when Sarah was talking about the the family reunion that they had, oh, and yeah. her cousin being in the hospital, yeah, one of her sisters her couldn't sister. fly out. Yeah. Right, Yeah, because she got COVID. Yep. It's no longer like third degree, it's second degree. Like most totally. people I know definitely know somebody that's had COVID. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get out the way and y'all can listen to this. We will be with you shortly to break it on down. So I told you my sister got COVID, right? So she couldn't come to the family reunion, but she did arrive two days ago, been spending some time with her, it's your cousin that's in the hospital, right? Yes. Yes. My cousin's in the and hospital. How is he? He is, the doctors still don't, they can't fix him. So at this point, it's just how long will he hold on? Will he hold on long enough to go six months, technically not having a drink? So he can't even go onto a transplant list. And I mean, you probably guessed this about me. I want worst case scenario so I can plan. If the best case scenario happens, that's absolutely amazing. But my life has never given me those treats or at least very, very often, not very often. I plan for worst case scenario. And if I am pleasantly surprised, then of course that's amazing. However, Mm -hmm. he has a kaput liver and his kidneys aren't functioning without dialysis. So, wow. Yeah. But I talked to him on like video chat yesterday, and he actually just finished his dialysis for that day. And he actually mm. was 
forming sentences and talking words, which was not my experience when I was at the hospital because of the amount of pain medicine he was on. So that was nice. It's still very up in the air, but knowing that he's not suffering as much as he was when I saw him is actually Mm -hmm. kind of a comfort. It was really hard to see him just in so much pain and just so like, yeah, it's rough. Same with when my dad was dying. That was sort of the the same feeling I had, which was like everything was so painful. You know, when you're already, somebody's dying, that's the last thing you want them to also have to, to suffer, right? Let me dig at this for a second. Because you're looking at how how it's feeling for them. And I want to look at how it's feeling for you because you're trying to protect them from suffering and you're taking yourself through every worst case scenario, which means your system is going through the worst case scenario. So this is kind of the landscape. Now that I'm in therapy, I could put it to one of my protective mechanisms because if I have prepared myself for the worst thing that's going to happen, I'm not going to get a shock or a a broken heart for want of a better word. I have a broken heart with the idea of a worst case scenario, but I have planned for it. So if the worst does happen, which I'm not trying to sound like a pessimist here, but Murphy's law, everything bad that will happen or can happen will happen. That is my life experience. So there's nothing, there's no data to tell me to get excited about possible maybes. There's the intellectualizing version of this that we're doing that we're slipping into. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. I'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. And there's, there's the, the laughter again. I mean, what we're talking about is kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. We're talking about your dad suffering and what that experience is like, was like. We're talking about your cousin suffering currently. And what that's like. And we're talking about you in this constant state of alert. Always, like you said. That's on the one hand exhausting, but I want to know how it feels. Because you're you're the one going to the hospital. You're the one seeing him. There, mm-hmm. There's something happening to you that isn't just the taking care of this. Let me prepare for the there's your emotional experience of this. Yes. So my emotional experience when I'm with him is rough. I'm not as, I don't know, strong as I wanted to be. What does strong mean? I know something bad is happening and I know it may or may not become an awful, horrible situation. But right now, he doesn't need me sitting next to him bawling my eyes out. He needs me brushing his hair and cleaning him up. And <laughs> I don't Is know. that what he needs? Yeah. When I got there, he was covered in throw up. The first time I got there, mm. his hair was in this like mat. He had like, no, like super chap lips. Right. Like right. as yep. if you yep. were like stranded in a desert yep. or something. So to me, I'm like, sure. They're handling his medical care his hair is probably causing him pain because it's in such a huge knot that like any direction he's moving in is probably pulling. And then his, his lips are so chapped when he tried to talk to me, you could see him like cracking things that I'm just like, 
So, and, and maybe those are the things I choose to focus on right. or try to focus on to less or, or to take me out of the despair or the, the pain that I feel at the thought of losing him, but sitting next to him, bawling my eyes out, like I did when I first walked in there, I just burst into tears. Right. Cause it, I, I wasn't prepared. I don't think for that, for what he he looked like, and then after I talked to the doctors, I had to also excuse myself and go into the hallway, just kind of, right? Because it's not, it's not easy. It's, it's very difficult. But I don't imagine that me, one of his really good friends in life, more like a sister than anything. I don't imagine that that does anything for the soul of the person who's trying to fight for their life, right? I'm not trying to excuse yeah. my analytical thinking here, but that's literally what's happening in my mind. Yeah. I've heard sometimes that when people are trying to be strong for someone, like when someone's going through something and they're trying to project strength, when they see someone bawling their eyes out, like you said, it actually gets them in touch with an emotion. For some, it's also, I don't want to see that. No, I need, I need to not think that this is happening. I don't need to be in that, like you said, that place of despair and pain. Okay. But maybe that's my place. Maybe that's where I would be if I saw the people I loved suffering. So you, you could be a hundred percent right here. This is why I'm in there. Maybe. Well, right. But <laughs> we're looking at a couple pieces of this. One is we don't know what it is for him yeah seeing you feeling despair and pain when he's trying to to fight and strength might be ah oh, yes there's the emotional expression that i'm not having right now thank you for having that with me not about mm -hmm. me not for me not in the other room but with me and that's the thing that i hear the most is that you're actually present with him and what you see as strength might be strength. I mean, I think it takes great strength to do that, but it also means we're compartmentalizing and we're to a degree projecting something other and what you're actually feeling, the despair and pain. I want to see if you're allowed to, again, in therapy, you and me here, if you're allowed to have a moment of despair and pain and acknowledge that that is how you feel. Yeah, it's interesting that that you say that because I don't know. I mean, I know that mothers especially project a lot of their own stuff onto their children. However, it's weird you say that because when we got into the room, I started crying, held his hand, and I sat down and I couldn't actually stop crying. I was really, really sad. And my mom said to him, Oh, sweetheart, you know, we're here. Sarah is just feeling a lot of emotions right now, but don't worry. You know, like she tried to excuse my melting down to him. This is not something I thought about until right this second when you said, well, what's your emotion? Well, I was having my emotion. And then my mom kind of like stepped in and made me realize, oh gosh, what am I doing? getting all emotional. But the, it's interesting the way you see things because of the way I'm seeing it is completely normal to me. Of course. This was my mom and probably a hundred times I could tell you 
oh, Sarah, she's our sweet, sensitive, caring one. And I'm like, well, not really so much anymore, mom. <laughs> I hide that well. That When I was sick, sure. Right. <laughs> and it got me in a lot of trouble. Right. So my mother has never really made that shift to grown up me versus sensitive crybaby me. It sounds like she didn't know and still doesn't know what to do with someone that's emotionally expressive. She doesn't. Even as you were kind of emulating her voice and saying, oh, there's Sarah, the sensitive one. Mm -hmm. That yeah. sounds childlike. Sounds like somebody that needs to name it that instead of, yes, these are the emotions that we feel and this is, this is what we're doing. And, and she needed to go in the other room and gather herself because it's really emotional. And like you said, at six years old, maybe, but not anymore, right? Because it was never allowed for you. Literally, you were punished because of it. My mother even spanked me when she would leave a lot, a lot when we were kids. Right. Or she had become one of the leaders in this cult. And she would leave us alone with the evil people, I call them, or at least my childhood right. self called them. They right. were the ones that sexually abused us, beat us, locked us up, starved us. These were the people that she would leave us with. So when she would say, okay, I'm going on a trip, I would just start crying because I would just be like, oh my God, like I knew what was coming. And my mother got so angry at me for crying about it, she would spank me. And this was a cult, so they believed in very, very extreme corporal punishment. So right. let's just preface that. But for right. someone like me, a child like me, to be corporal, corporally disciplined was very rare. I mm. almost never got spanked. Right. I usually got the the long talks and the praying overs, but never the spanking. Spankings were reserved for like you really fucked up. Right. Right. My younger sister, she was just a badass from the time she was like three years old. <laughs> she would tell people to go screw off and she just never, never and she was punished so severely her whole entire life. So the two of us are just completely opposites in that mm. sense. But I think the punishment by a mother to a child who's sad that they're leaving is so extremely traumatizing. I don't actually honestly like to really talk about it much, but could also account for the way I shut down when I feel emotions. Yeah. I, I live outside of the emotion. So now I'm a person who's looking in and I, oh, that Sarah would feel those emotions. Right. And the reality is there is one Sarah and she learned not to show emotion or be emotionally expressive because it wasn't taken well. And not only was it not taken well, it was, it was punished. By my mother. Right, right. Ugh. And even even now, even now, oh, that's Sarah. She's a sensitive one. She's always been like that. Your mother, again, all due respect, has not evolved and has not learned, and, and that's how she is. Okay. That's 
in parts, I don't want to say re-traumatizing for you, but it's, it's traumatic. Sometimes people think that the mother of all triggers is the mother. Because that's where a lot of this starts. And this is, I mean, she's the first bond you ever had in this world before yep. you were even in the world. To have that person now do what she's always done is incredibly impactful because you are feeling something. This is not just your cousin. It's one of your closest friends. Yeah. And you're seeing, you're seeing the suffering and you are as compassionate as you can be. And I think the real strength, like when you say, I'm trying to be strong, like I, I almost want to redefine strong and say that it comes from that compassion. I mean, I feel like it kind of had to, because the compassion is always what gets me, right? So the feeling of extreme emotion has always been a real quandary for me, which again, is probably why I sound like a robot a lot of times, or like a third person, because going into that place, I would be very emotional, hmm. or I can be very emotional. I told you when, when I was telling daughter, I was like, okay, I've got mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just tell her very clinically. And I just burst into tears. Right. And, you know, the sweet daughter, she is so accepting. And so she's very in touch with all the things that make people human. And I, I really do love that about her, except her brother. <laughs> she <laughs> right. can't stand him and she thinks he's an asshole. But... But whenever there's emotion, she's in fact a lot like me as a child, which was she would actually mimic the person's emotion. So like, I remember one time we went to a funeral, I was nine. I didn't know the person at the funeral or who was being buried. And just watching all the people crying made me cry, but cry mm -hmm. to the point of where I was really crying, like I was feeling all of the emotions and again another time i got in huge trouble it was like what the hell is wrong with you and i couldn't stop crying it was a very strange thing for me because it was the first time i realized like oh gosh this is not just me like i'm right. i feel all of the things right and again i mean really punished that time like it was bad they were just very angry. The, even the family of the person was like personally angry at me. Wow. I was like, wow. Okay. So clearly I need to lock this shit down because I even sometimes get like teary in weddings <laughs> and I would just like gulp it back. And I really do have to kind of stand out from my heart. Wow. My instinct is to be emotional. Like that's part right. of who I am. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that goes back to what I, I said to you early on about when you said at the core, I have a happy soul. Like, right. And then you learned to project a certain way, as we're talking now, to not show emotion, to lock it down. Then you've got that other layer of I can appear happy now because I've locked that down. What you're kind of coming to and realizing now is, wait, and, and what you just described, I've separated myself from my heart. I've separated myself from my feelings so much that I'm looking at my own feelings objectively. 
I'm not experiencing them for myself, good and bad, weddings and funerals. I wonder how you are when you watch like a, a movie or a TV show or even a commercial. If I'm alone, I cry, I'll cry if oh. I'm alone. But even if boyfriend is in the room, actually it's happened a few times where I will cry and he'll be like, are you crying, babe? Because yeah. it's such a like weird thing for him to see me like all like. What, what's your response? I'm like, yes, I am. Don't look at me. Okay, okay. Here's here's something I, I want to see if we can play with a little bit. I'm jumping into this because we're coming at it from the the other side. Let's entertain this. If it's yeah, I'm crying. Can you please hold me for a minute instead of don't look at me? What do you think about that? Yes. So my instant reaction to that is that it's a trivial thing that I'm crying about. So it would, to me, be an odd time for him to comfort me. Like, actually, when I got home that same day, uh -huh. I had pulled myself together and I was being very Sarah. But that evening I told him, I'm like, I'm not doing good at all. Like, I'm good. really, really good. sad, really good. not okay. Yeah. How was that? Good. I mean, he's he's very sweet. He, I mean... Uh, how was that for you? Oh, for me? Um, it was... It was fine. It was... It's hard for me. In a situation that large, it's not as embarrassing or as hard for me to just admit like, look, this is really, really difficult for me. And he does, he, he's very sweet in the sense that he will try and take whatever it is I have to deal with plus my pain away from me. Yeah. Oh, and of course he gives me hugs and. Okay. Pause for a second. Yeah. Here, Cause you know, <laughs> I, I still want to move towards this if we can. Yeah. That idea of I came home, I pulled myself together, I'm going to throw up the bullshit flag for a second in the same way that we're redefining what strength means to a degree. I want to redefine what that is. I don't think that's pulling yourself together. I think that's ripping yourself apart. I think that's going, I'm going to put up this front, but what's actually inside is all this emotion that just gets locked down, shoved down and separated. That's, that's the separation of me from my own heart. And then when you're watching something on TV or something and you have a reaction and you start crying, that's beginning to put yourself truly back together. And it allows you to have an emotion because it's, it's, you're seeing it out there. It's almost giving you permission to bring up the thing you locked down. <laughs> it's not petty. It, it, it's a, trigger it it's an opening it it opens it up so now it can come up and that's why you might find comfort in boyfriend go hey can you just hold me for a second are you crying yeah it's really triggering so it's bringing something up just hold me for a second he might double down and go oh what is it bringing up that might be too much in that moment like i just uh, stop i'll talk about it in therapy i just just hold me right now just let me feel this just let me feel this i don't this isn't my usual. Just let me feel this. It's not petty. It's giving you an opening to get into your heart that you shoved down there. Then am I going to like turn into this big weepy person? <laughs> Honestly, it's my biggest fear as you're talking. 
are you going to turn into this this big weepy person? <laughs> Maybe for a couple of minutes. Okay. And thank God you will. Do I want to be this, I'm air quoting, put together person? No, that's the torn apart person. That's the person that's separate from their own heart. I mean, you can be that. But I think part of the reason why you're coming to me is I don't want to be that. Yeah. I don't think it's 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 a black or white. Either I'm compartmentalized, locked it down, and I can be air quoting strong and, and this. I can be that. Or I'm going to be this big weepy mess. And you're going to have to like scoop me off of the floor. My pendulum. Exactly. It's going to feel like a big weepy mess because that pendulum, it, it's sort of like it, 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 somebody like tethered it to that, to that side over there where it's compartmentalized and you break yeah. the tether for a moment and it's going to like swing the fuck the other way, like whoosh, go way the other way. The reality is it's going to feel like that, but it might only just, just move a little bit off of it. And that's the experience I want to see if we can try out okay. in the comfort and safety of your relationship with boyfriend and with me, being able to tap into that when it feels like the pendulum goes so far the other way to allow that for yourself. And if you become big weepy for a moment, it will be for a moment and the pendulum, believe me, will swing back over. It's how a pendulum works. Yeah. It's not just going to go all the way to the other side and then it's stuck there. It's interesting giving yourself that that moment, giving yourself that moment to be big weepy, even if it's about a, a long distance commercial. Yeah. And I very, rarely watch commercials, but I, I right. do really love my like doctor shows, which of course always have really big emotional scenes. Oh, yeah. The doctor show is probably the most especially if there's a kid involved in the story. Yeah. And it's just like, there's so much emotion in that scene. Of course, it is actors and it is not a real thing, but yeah. What they're doing and the nature of acting is you tap into real emotion and you show people, here's this real emotion. And I think the pinnacle of acting is when you can get an audience to feel what you're actually feeling because your character is feeling that. Absolutely. This is the permission that I'm talking about. This is, in a sense, <laughs> going to sound real weird here, but doctor shows can almost be the mom that you didn't get growing up that can show you that it's okay to express emotion. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I love my TV shows. That's how I relax. I told you that's the only way I fall asleep. It's become a sort of like second life for me. So I do my whole life and then I get to relax and watch my shows and eventually fall asleep. So yeah. Let's actually use them to our benefit now too. And that's partly why I love using metaphors and analogies because it's so much easier to see things and understand things about ourselves when we can see it objectively. So if you're seeing it in a character on a TV show, great, it's objective. But the emotion and the emotional experience for the character and that you have relating to that is real. Mm -hmm. And it will allow for an opening for that emotion that you've locked down there and held to come out in an air quoting appropriate way. And if instead of, oh yeah, I'm crying, don't look at me, don't look at me. It's yeah, I'm crying, I'm, I'm getting really emotional. It's, it's triggering something. Oh, what? Like, I don't know, just, just hold on to me for a second. Yeah. Just let me cry. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, you don't have to go there and go, oh, it's like seeing that child on the doctor show dying and there's nothing they can do. It reminds me of my kids or my childhood and, oh man, did it, you don't need to go there necessarily, but I, I want us to allow for that emotion for you to actually tap it for a second and think of it as that's putting yourself together, not losing it and tearing yourself apart. It might feel that way in the safety of your home with your boyfriend or your therapy with your therapist. Those are the places where we can try it, see how it feels. It's funny because the whole time you're talking about this, I'm also thinking, so my daughter is really into literature books. Mm. She will read mm. books and she will literally come to me sobbing. She's so emotionally involved in the story, right? And right, so right. my my instinct as a mother is to comfort. So, okay, well, sweetheart, just remember it's just a story. And But then there's another part of me that's so amazed at how she can experience these emotions so fully, just the way that she can just fully live in yeah. that moment, in yeah. that story, no matter what. And right. I always wish that I felt that I was allowed to do that as a child. Right. And you weren't, and that sucks. And I'm sorry. And it, it's had a tremendous impact. And how wonderful and healing is it to see your daughter doing what yeah. you weren't able to do? It is in a sense. And in another sense, it's like, oh, you sweetheart, you're fine. <laughs> you know, so I have to kind of fight a battle again between my two selves. Yeah. And, and again, those two selves are one self. And maybe part of that, part of your work now, part of being strong now is to allow for that vulnerability. How amazing would it be if daughter comes to you, I mean, shit, she might've passed this by now, but uh, I remember reading when, where the red fern grows. Oh my God. That's one of her favorite books. Oh, oh my man. Gosh. That gutted me. And, and now how much I love my dog, of course. Right. Oh yeah. And that, that, oh, that, that gutted me. How amazing would it be if, you know, she reads that, I know she's already read it, but multiple times. Right. And every time cries, like it's the first time she ever read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then think about if you come to her and you cry with her. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think of that? I mean, I, I don't know. I have to, I'd have to try it out, but yeah, I think if I, if I joined her in that, world in that fantasy in those emotions which i already have in me i know this right but what's interesting is when if i'm crying like with my cousin when i told her she right. became very strong she came she was very mom don't worry about anything okay right. you go and she just instantly kicked into this and i'm hoping that i haven't ruined her already <laughs> we're learning this is where yep. we're learning and she's still learning and you can learn too. Yeah. And being able to cry, like, it's okay, my mom, don't worry. Like, like, it's going to be okay. Like you can actually teach you and daughter at the same time by kind of going, you know what, honey, it's, it's okay for us to cry and let this out. It was really emotional. Let's let this out. Yeah. So we don't lock it in. It's going to be so healing for you. 
and such an incredible learning experience for her to see, oh, right, it's okay to be emotional and to have emotions. You didn't get that. You didn't get that as a kid at all. And the only one that's going to give you permission for that now is, is you. So little bits, little bits, allowing yourself to tap into it. Again, it's not petty because it's hitting something deep. And it doesn't have to be this huge chasm that you go into. It's this moment that you allow where you're giving permission to it. For me, I have one extreme or the other. I'm either experiencing it as a third person or from the outside, or I am in it and I'm, and I'm crying, which for the most part is not really something you can just do on a normal basis, just be walking <laughs> around bawling. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, calibrating that and allowing, again, sort of a theme that we've kind of brought up is those, those two different Sarah's is one Sarah. And it's, yeah. again, we're going to need to integrate it at some point, but right now we just want to be able to touch both of those and see we've got both of those speeds and we can do both of those things. So allowing yourself permission to lose it for a moment. The scream into a pillow. Scream into a pillow to cry into somebody's cry arms. Cry into a to, pillow. Right. To hold your daughter who's crying and not say, oh, it's okay to go, yeah, this is really emotional. Yeah. It's validating the emotion. Hmm. You haven't had a lot of that in your life. And to be able to provide that for you, for daughter, that's going to be really healing and teaching for both of you. So I, I'm encouraging that if you can. And I promise you, you will not get stuck there. No, I liked when you said validating that emotion. And all of a sudden I'm thinking like, oh gosh, oh gosh, I, I don't know that I always do that or do that with my children. I don't let them yell at each other. And I, and I put a stop to any kind of anger. Right. And I make them sit down and think about it logically. I mean, I'm sure again, there's a balance for everything, Yeah. but my, my structure has always dictated that when they are out of control or when they don't have control over the emotion, it's not like they can't feel the emotion, but like my daughter will like jump over the table to start like punching son because she's so angry at him. <laughs> right. That is not okay. But is it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we can still okay. have boundaries for sure. We talked about this. I think you and I being more Kirk and less Spock. Spock is the robot, right? Spock is the Vulcan with the ears on Star Trek. Okay. Sorry, everybody. No, no, I want to hear it though, because then you can refer to it. <laughs> right. In the Star Wars, Vader and Yoda, you understand those. We've talked, I mean, you've heard me at least talk about Yoda and, and bring yes. that out. And Vader, yes. the critical voice, the dark side. He's the angry, yeah, okay. He's the angry one, but, and they say that, that that's, that's the passionate, emotion-driven side and the Jedi are the composed side. Similarly, right. okay. in Star Makes Trek, sense. Captain Kirk, William Shatner, or whoever was playing Kirk, okay. is the like emotional one and he'll, he's the one always emphatically expressing things. And, and Spock is the, the very logical one with the, you know, Leonard Nimoy with the pointy ears and, and that's live long and prosper. Yeah. So it, it's okay. that, I, I mean, and you see it everywhere. There's usually an emotional one and then a composed one. We have those right. different sides of us. And what we're talking about, you and I, is allowing the emotional side to exist, not just being purely that logic-driven one, that composed one, that put-together one. 
because that's the one that that is almost devoid of emotion. So allowing the other to come out validates that that emotion exists for you. It doesn't mean it's going to take over. We're just allowing emotion to exist for you. Allowing yourself to have that emotional experience, allowing daughter to have that emotional experience and to see that that's okay is great. So experiment with that a little bit and we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. And we are back. We sure are. She was talking about not wanting people to suffer, seeing her cousin suffer. And at least, you know, when finding out that he, a couple days later, when she saw him, that he was right. doing better and suffering less. And she sort of went through the same thing when her dad was dying. Like she doesn't want, she focuses on yeah. other people and their feelings and not wanting them to suffer, but doesn't get to feel her own feelings. And I, you said something like your system's also going through the worst case scenario because she always plans yeah. for the worst right. case scenario. And right. I understand that concept in general and also especially with her because she's never gotten best case scenario or very rarely. Yeah, I think for her, what I love about this is she's now aware of that too. She even yeah. said, now that I'm in therapy, yeah, you know, and she's talking about, she even called it her protective mechanism and mm -hmm. saying like, right, preparing myself for the worst thing that's going to happen so right. I don't get shocked. I think she called it, she said again, broken heart. Yeah. Having the broken heart with the idea of the worst case scenario, but at least I've planned for the broken heart. Right. And what I wanted to do with her is go, well, wait, can we talk about your heart breaking? Can we have that connection to the emotional experience? Right. And that's when I think she really put it together and she connected it to dad and she was talking about being in the hospital and crying. And it really was like allowing yourself to have your emotional experience instead of that protective mechanism of compartmentalize it, put a handle on it, as she says, and keep going. Yeah. Until her mom fucking ripped it away from her. Right. I was right. just like, oh God, I could just so picture <laughs> that. So invalidating, but you know, she's crying and, and I mean, I get it. Uh, I think you pointed out both sides of it where sometimes the person who's suffering or, you know, whatever is glad to see that you're having an emotional expression that maybe right. they can't have. Right. right. Mm, yep. And I, I hear what you're saying and I, I just don't know. I don't, I'm trying to picture, picture a situation where, where somebody would feel well, here, better I'll give you or, one. yeah. I'll give you one and I can tell it to you firsthand. Okay. I mean, you've known me, so you know that I've dealt with autoimmune issues. I had psoriasis that at some points covered 80% of my body and was extremely painful. And it's just what I dealt with and the arthritis that came with it, like whatever, no problem. You know, when I was married to Kim, she would sometimes lying in bed, just start crying because of all the pain that I was enduring and going through. And it was not just the physical pain, but the mental and emotional. And I would just kind of like, yeah, whatever. But seeing her have the emotional expression for what I was feeling, mm. but I had compartmentalized really helped. And it was wow. pretty amazing because okay. I could connect to the emotions that she was having for me. So I got to see the expression externally and then bring it internal and have it without me falling apart. Because if I fell apart, if I had that, how would I wake up the next day and keep going? Wow. That's a great example. And there you go. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I guess I th- I was thinking about it for somebody that was like terminal or maybe I was going to lose a leg. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like, but again, also I get it. I still, now that you're saying it that way, I think it does make sense. Right. Yeah. Cause my condition's chronic. It's not, right. that's not exactly. going away. Yeah. And it, it's similar. I mean, like you said, seeing both sides and that idea that for her, she didn't want to show any weakness for him. She wanted to be strong for him. Right. And crying doesn't help. Like, well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. You know, I'm not, I don't, I can't speak for him. Right. The both sides being, being able to show him that, not just the strength and her being able to feel that despair and that pain and acknowledge how she's feeling and be real instead of just being this projection of strength. Yeah. You also don't want someone to be stoic, not that she is, but when you're crumbling. But I think she and oh, my God, when she described this man, I don't know anyone else's. I mean, I'm sure seen this, but like the crack lips and the hair and like I was. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, God, I just pictured my mom like that in the hospital when she was dying because it's such a thing. But all like, you know, I would put chapstick on all the time on her and but at first I was like, fucking what, where is he? What kind of hospital is he in? And then I, you know, you got to remember that they're doing, they're doing all the other stuff trying to keep someone alive or, and that oh, yeah. sometimes it's just, but that is just so, so sad. And that I guess she walked in like not having any idea what to expect. And so I think you see someone with tubes and needles and looking horrible and it's just traumatic. So I think she said that's when she broke down crying. And I guess that's when her mom, I don't know if that's when her mom, I think her mom was with her then. She just walked in and she was just like, oh, you know, she's just so emotional and sweet. Right. No. She's so sensitive. She's just sensitive. That's right. That's, it was, it was really invalidating. And like we said, traumatic and triggering all over again. Yeah. When I was listening to it, I literally, my face, I was, or I, I think I was like, ugh. I think I just said that out loud when I was listening to it. I was like, and then the way she said it, it it's really interesting. It was now that I'm thinking about it, it was not an intellectualized Sarah type crisp tone to it. She was like, not anymore. I was like, damn. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's right. And and that's growth for her. And the way, look, there's a couple things here. Going back for a second. Yeah, the, the, the chapped lips thing, seeing tubes in somebody. Yeah, that's brutal. If you've been through that, you know, if you haven't, I hope you never have to. Yeah. And it's, it, I remember putting Vaseline on my grandfather's lips because mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't run the chapstick. You couldn't run yeah. the, the, the tube on it. You had to just yeah. do it with your finger and it's, oh, it's rough. Yeah. And then I think like my dad who passed away a couple months ago, I didn't get to see him and I don't know what he looked like, but I know had I seen him, in that state, it would have really impacted me and affected yeah. me because you see them in the most vulnerable, helpless, sometimes totally. hopeless state yeah. of being, especially if you get the sense that it's near the end for their for them, for their life. It's so hard. And she's having a huge reaction and still trying to use her protective mechanism. Right. And then mom comes in. And that's where, you know, the line that you love when I throw this out, the mother of all triggers is the mother. So true. 
when you were saying to me, Merritt, like her recounting it to me, she wasn't using the over enunciating. She wasn't talking that way. Right. She was like getting in touch with being pissed. She totally was. Like what she was feeling. And even this is really telling to me when she talked about mom and she said, oh, that's just Sarah being sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like a child. It sounded like somebody that just is not in touch with reality right now. Yep. And you guys didn't mention it, but she said, yeah, that used to get me in a lot of trouble when she would cry. And she said, yeah, like back when I was being a crybaby. And I was like, oh, that is so sad. Like, because you referred to your own little child as a cry, your own child self as a crybaby, because that's basically what she was taught, that it wasn't okay. I was like, and not okay meant she didn't just get in trouble. She got beaten. Yeah. She got really severely punished. And that shift that she talks about is when she shifts to becoming the grown up me versus the the sensitive crybaby me. Mm-hmm. Like, right. That's when she learned, oh, I need to compartmentalize. I need to put a handle on this in order to survive. And that's, oh man, you're right, Mary. Like that's using Sarah's word. It, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And especially talking about the evil people and all the horrible shit that they did to her. But for her, the thing that was the most traumatizing was that her own mom would punish her like that. Right. Just, yeah, so heartbreaking. Right. Her phrase, she, she used that she lives outside of her emotions looking in. I was like, wow. Right. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. And she, she even said it in a way that speaks to that enunciation and that compartmentalizing and just saying like that. Like having that emotion was like a quandary for me. Like it's probably why I sound like a robot a lot of times or like a third person. Okay, well, that was a trip. I couldn't believe she, I was like, what? She knows? She said she sounds like a robot or like talking in third person. And I didn't think robot, but when she said it, I was like, oh, I don't think she sounds like a robot, but I, it's a really good analogy. And I had no idea she thought that. Or she knew that about herself. Yeah. A clue for me in one of our very first sessions, I think it might've been our first session when she was like, I'm genuinely a happy person. Like I'm, I'm happy at my core. I'm like, right. uh, what? And that had me realizing, oh, she is. She's just had like another core wrapped around it. Right. It's this compartmentalized cold robot. It's had to be there. Yeah. So that she can be whoever she is on on the exterior, right? But that realization for her that like, oh yeah, I probably sound like a robot. She is, I am sure, so incredibly emotional. She has such incredible depth of feeling that she has packed away and not let herself access and express. When that comes out, Oh man, it's going to be so incredible for her. And that that's why I, I started mentioning her daughter and connecting with that way because her daughter is emotional and is expressing. Uh-huh. Right. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was so strange that she, she I don't, I've never heard her say that about herself. Cause even, you know, when she was talking about listening back to the tape and her tone and she's like, I just couldn't see it or didn't see it. So I was like, Oh, that was so interesting. I don't know if she just realized that or, and that 
sort of like that third person sounding. So, yeah. And, and she's seeing a lot of this through her kids. She even said when, when we were talking about her daughter that, uh, she mimics someone else's emotion, which is a lot like me. And that is a, a tool that a lot of people use when they aren't sure what's safe for them or how to express something or how to feel something, if they mimic someone else's emotion, someone around them, because that's probably socially acceptable, they'll do that. Oh, I thought she said that about herself. Like when she was talking about the funeral, I thought that was about herself, but when she- Yeah, yeah, no, it is. But she was saying she saw that, she said her daughter is a lot like her, that she will mimic someone's emotions. And then she went, like me, at this oh. funeral I went to. Oh, okay. Right? I wanted to be like, that's not mimicking. That's called being empathic, <laughs> like, and absorbing <laughs> right. that, you know, bringing on the other people's emotions when you're, right. she's feeling it so strongly because she's empathic. Right. And that's, that's in being at the funeral when she was like really feeling like crying and she could see other people crying, like, okay, this is okay. We can right. do this. And then she got punished. Right. Like, oh man, how incredibly traumatic and invalidating and what that does to, I mean, every, every bit of your system, your, your nervous system, your conscious system, your unconscious system is learning like, oh, I can't, I can't have emotion. I can't express this. I can't show this. She even said like, well, okay, got to lock this shit down. Right. And it's, I gulp it back. If I feel it in my heart, I just, nope. And she said again, my instinct is to be emotional, but I don't do that. Like, oh right. man, we're going to, we're going to, through our work, eventually, I'm not going to force it at all. That emotional person, that sensitive person, that sweet, sweet, sensitive person, not the one her mom mocked, right. but the one that really exists. Right. That's right. going to come out and be amazing. I know. And I am very much looking forward to that. She even, or you guys talked about how she separates herself from her heart and feelings so much that she can look at her own feelings objectively and not experience them. I was like, holy shit. That is, right. that is a skill. I will say not, I mean, right. for better or worse it, but it is a skill if she could do right. that and right. feel them also. So, right. And as she's telling me this, it hits me. Okay. So let's do it objectively, but let's find a place where you can identify with somebody and something emotional objectively. And that's where the, the TV idea hit me. Oh God. That made me want to vomit. When you said, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm crying. Can you please hold me? I literally think I threw up in my mouth a little. I was like, Oh God, can you please hold me? Mary, your reaction to that? Really makes me wish we were doing this in person so Ew. I could give you a big hug. Oh, God. I Blech. know. I know. It's so uncomfortable for I you. I know. It's so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Meredith, you know I love you. I know you love me, Dougie. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I won't hold your hair back when you vomit, but I'll be there to give you a hug right afterwards. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. I know. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking. And by the way, I agreed with her. At first, I mean, I do agree with her because she said, yeah, that would be weird to say because it's like a small thing, like I'm crying at a commercial. Or, right. But that she did say, you know, when I came home from seeing my cousin, I, I said to him, I'm not doing OK. So I thought that right. was in that moment she was able to do it. But <laughs> she was like, uh, 
okay i'll ask him to hold me <laughs> right i mean that that's the movie that you hate groundhog day when Ugh. he's trying to right the bill murray character is trying to figure out like how to crack the code of like that one person that recognizes him from high school that he just right. can't stand that wants to sell him insurance. Right. And there's that one scene when he goes, Ned, I don't know what you're doing after this, but can we go somewhere and talk? Just feels so good to see you. And he gives him a big hug and then just goes, <laughs> Ooh, I gotta go. <laughs> you know, you just can't tolerate that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's a lot of what what we're sort of cracking in her is is what's what's inside and what's been separated, and she's talking about trying to be put together, and be this put together person. I'm like, mm, but that put together person is actually the torn apart person. It's the Love one that that's too. disconnected from the emotion. So good. I was yeah. like, whoa, Doug, so true, and and yeah. then her saying like, okay, well giving yourself permission to cry at a commercial or whatever you're watching and her big fears, she's going to turn into to big weepy, which I love. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a big weepy mess. <laughs> and, right? and yeah. And the, the point you made is that like she could be both. She can be big weepy and compartmentalized and right, it'll, right. it's like the pendulum. It'll, you're like, it's not going to get stuck up there. I was thinking maybe for a little while, but eventually, you know, it'll swing back for sure. Right. The other direction. Right. Yeah. And just kind of going like, that's okay. And, and it's in framing it as do it through a TV show, right. experiment with it, see what it's like, see what it's like to say, yeah, oh, I'm emotional. It's triggering something, but it, I'll be okay. Can you just hold me for a second? Or whatever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what what was she talking about? Doctor shows. What are doctor shows? ER, oh. Grey's Anatomy. Oh, oh uh, God. Chicago. Oh, Sarah. MD. Love. Yes. Yeah. I am I'm a diehard. I am right there with Meredith Grey on freaking the seventeenth season of Grey's Anatomy, which has gotten progressively worse and yet I can't stop. No, I'll be there till the end. They're they're your friends. Yeah. They're the people that, you know, I know. And I love, yeah, I loved that. She said it was like how she relaxes and that and reading for me fiction. Totally. I just go. That's why her daughter, her daughter reading, like, you know, know. reading. And I I bring up, you know, one of the books that we read in junior high or whenever it was. Oh, where the red fern grows. Oh man. Right. Yes. Right. So good. And it happened to be her daughter's favorite book. I know. I just pulled that out. And she's like, oh my God, that's one of her favorites. She's, she's read it multiple times. Like, great. And that, that's where the idea, and she saw it, she paused for a second. Cause I was like, okay, well, what if you allow her to come cry? And instead of you being the one crying, you're the one allowing the emotion to exist. It's like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I can try that. This is where the experiment thing comes from. This is where the experiment thing can really be affecting change for her. Is just try it out. Even when she said a few weeks ago, I was like this, Doug, you'd be so proud of me, but maybe it was just a fluke. Like, I don't care if it's a fluke. That means you're still creating a new pathway and you're you're doing that. So yeah, I I love this for her because it's really getting her to honor the emotional experience that she or someone around her is having. Yeah. And she, and then she pointed out when she cries, her daughter kicks into strong mode and which I totally get. I think it's, I remember seeing your parents cry, your mom cry or whatever is scary. I think it was for me just because 
all of a sudden you're like, wait, where's my protector? But I liked, you know, the right. idea that right. she could say, Hey, like, don't worry. It's okay for us to be sad. Yep. It's again, just having that emotion and not being so, you know, robotic as she would say, or as I said to her later, realizing she doesn't get all of my pop culture references, but she will. And that's, that's fine. But being more, more Kirk, less Spock. Oh, I didn't, I wouldn't know either. I, I know, I know that one of them was, is very robot or like logical. Right. But right. I didn't, I wouldn't know. I didn't know either, which who's who. I mean, it, it, it's sort of like Vader and Yoda, but it's different. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. We're, we're talking about being very emotional. For me, it's always picturing William Shatner as Kirk, whatever that is, and following your passion, doing that thing and expressing it. And then there's Spock, the Vulcan with the, the big pointy ears. Right. Well, that would not be logical. Right. And that's almost the, the enunciating version of her that's so compartmentalized. And as she had said, put together, even yeah. though we now realize, oh, wait, that's not being put together. That's right. Right. continuing to be separate from your heart. Yes. And you, she kept referring to her two selves and like your two self, your two selves are one self, right? That's the whole thing where I always tell people we have all different parts to us and people talk about wanting to get back to their old self or be a new self. I'm like, no, you're still yourself. They're just, we're just focusing on different parts or yep. bringing yep. out different parts. We are the sum of our, all of our parts and recognize it's, it was fun to go through some of this work with her. I don't know if fun's the right word. I like doing this kind of work with her where we can separate and see different parts of her and mm -hmm. then integrate them Yeah. back into the whole. And that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. I just was thinking of like dissecting a frog, which is disgusting, but you know, separating all the parts and then, and then putting them back together, but then that frog's dead. So it just gave me a visual of like <laughs> taking apart and putting back together. And I don't know, wow. to like looking at it. Wow. I mean, you could have gone with like Legos. You could have gone with, I, I know. don't know, uh, Rubik's cube, Jenga. I mean, so but many you said different like, things. Dissect. No, you didn't say dissecting. I don't know what you said that made me think of, I don't know. I don't know. But on that, on that frog and toad dissection. Yeah. Note, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm done. I'm that done was, with you, girl. We're yeah, done. We're done. We're, we're, nope. Nope. That, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think of a better. And scene. That's yep, a, yep, yep, drop yep. the scalpel on that one. Yeah. Um, ah! <laughs> well, guys, thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging with us and uh, find us on social media. We will be everywhere you want us to be and everywhere you don't want us to be. We'll just be everywhere. Not in a creepy way though. No, no, no. Uh, oh man, I want to bust out the Richard Marks song again, but I'm not going to. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. No, in two weeks, we're skipping. Well, whatever. We'll see you when we see you. If we see you, if not, we'll talk at you. Bye. As we do. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>